0: Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. Welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with one of my close friends and amazing mama, Leah Arnold Smeets. She's the founder of Woo Woo Realm and an intuitive tarot card reader medium and spiritual guide located in orange county california but has clients all over the world however i met leah in her pre-woo woo life when she was a badass coo for an app development company and a marketing and operations expert watching leah's growth over the years to now emerge into this beautiful spiritual being has inspired me over the years to also tap into my spiritual side When Leah's not slinging tarot cards or tapping into the other side, she's busy being a mom to her two kids, Emiko and Jordi, her giant dog, and nine chickens. Welcome, Leah. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) This is fun. So do you still have nine chickens is my question. We still have nine chickens.
1: I actually just collected some of the first eggs they just started laying, so it's very exciting, guys.
0: Oh, how beautiful. Well, I wanted to kick this off by asking, what has been your biggest mom win of the week?
1: Oh my gosh. That one's a tough one because I think as moms were really critical of like what a win is, but literally they're alive, they are well, they are off to school today fully fed, <laughs> and the laundry's done. <laughs>
0: Yay! <laughs> And to give the audience a little bit of context, how old are your kids and what is kind of the roles that you and your partner, Justin, play?
1: Yeah. So Emiko is 11. Jordy is five. They couldn't be more different. I mean, boys are a different breed, right? Yes. So Justin is the predominant breadwinner. He's the nice guy. He's the he's the hero, right? The typical dad role. <laughs> and i'm kind of the coo of the house i'm the internal workings i keep it all cohesive and and running smoothly well let's let's be real as smooth as i possibly can without losing my you know what and i find little pockets here and there to do tarot readings and do my woo woo realm content and really just continue on my healing journey which is how this all got started
0: well, on that note, I wanted to back up and talk about where it all started. So, you were never a woo-woo realm person. You started off kind of highly corporate, went and got, you know, a business degree and all of that. Let's step back to your pre-motherhood and the beginning. How did it start?
1: So, I guess I was always interested. I think we're all like baby witches on the inside. We're all just collecting leaves and sticks and mixing mud. And my mom, I was born and raised into a really Christian family, and I wasn't even able to read my horoscope. So, I mean, that's where I come from. And to be <laughs> full circle on the other side of the spectrum is is kind of interesting. But I ended up doing what, you know, I thought everybody wanted me to do. I graduated, I went to USC, I was a business major, minored in entrepreneurial studies, ended up working in Dubai, you know, managing an interior design for, I mean, you name it, I've done it in every industry. And I kind of got blindsided by pregnancy, went through a certain situation and ended up, it was a really tumultuous time, actually. And and that's why I think Emiko is this blessing on so many levels. She kind of is this old soul that's still teaching me things. And I ended up getting pregnant, never thought that I've had, I would have kids in this lifetime. Really? Why? I just, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's emotional damage. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just always grew up thinking, oh, that's not for me. I'm just a different type of person and yada, yada, yada. And lo and behold, I get pregnant. And obviously we had her and it was just a whirlwind. And I'm sure we'll get into this, but I think my mother wound is really a huge mission in this lifetime to heal and to kind of break generational curses. I call them curses because they feel like that sometimes. Just generational patterns as far as like motherhood is concerned and parental roles.
0: I guess step back. I want to hear a little bit about what sort of motherhood trauma do you think that you're suffering from from the past? Like what sort of wounds?
1: So I think just being raised in a broken family, dad has his issues. I was born and he left. So I have zero relationship with him. And my mom raised three kids. I'm the youngest. My brother's the oldest and my sister's the middle child. And I mean, we fit into those roles perfectly too. And so- i think with her you know just being raised in a poor family the struggles that come with that everybody kind of pitching in and having a say in how my mom raised kids she kind of was like a little bit resentful of that and so i think that came out in her mothering as well and so the mother wound started and then being raised in south central la let's throw that in there (laughs) it's a it was very confusing to always live in survival mode also as
0: an asian female
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. Especially like they came over after the war. My grandma was like, nobody speaks Japanese. Oh, because I'm half Japanese. My mother's the Japanese
0: one. I didn't really realize she was raised in South Central. Yeah. So were my grandpa. Yeah. So he was house, out there.
1: Yeah. So huh. my grandma's house, actually little fun tip here. I mean, story boys in the hood was filmed on her street and they used her house. Like it was, <laughs> <laughs> the story for everybody. I'm like, have you ever seen boys in the hood? <laughs> that is the, that is the street Arlington. Wow. And it was an interesting, I mean, that's all I knew at the time. Right. So everything was survival mode and I had family members that were in gangs. I had Like you name it, every kind of gang, every every flavor of gang, (laughs) some affiliation, and so I just grew up thinking, oh, survival mode. Don't talk to people when people ask you where you're from. You don't say anything. You say from nowhere, and they always wanted better for us, my family, and so they shipped us off to Laces, Los Angeles Center for Enriched Studies, and that's where my brother, my sister, and myself studied. From I mean, I was fourth grade till seventh grade until we moved to Orange County, and so my sister. And my brother, they're kind of the more academic ones, if you want to put it that way. (laughs) And I was a little bit more rebellious.
0: Third child, could
1: never imagine that. It just is in every aspect of my life. I'm just the rebellious one. I'm the black sheep. And so all of that kind of story and narrative of being raised in a poor family, single, broken family home, survival mode, kind of the rougher side of life. It taught me a lot about like street smarts and and just as a person being able to protect myself and whatnot. I'm like, I'm five, two, who the hell am I going to like start fighting? But it, it taught me a lot as far as survival, but it didn't teach me a lot about coping. It didn't teach me a lot about trusting myself, exploring my, my own person, right? My own sense of identity. And it was also just kind of living everybody else's dream life whatever because we gotta you gotta do better than where you came from hence the this typical asian thing like do really well in school become a doctor prove your family right and so we can all get out of this shithole excuse my french but my brother went to ucla my sister went to biola and then i went to usc so i was like the only one that deviated from the whole Bruin thing um <laughs> <laughs> in my
0: and a christian not a christian school <laughs>
1: And exactly. So I was the only one that wasn't baptized. I refused to be baptized. And I want to get something straight right now. I have nothing against organized religion. It's just not for me. But I, for some reason, since I was very young, just thought, no, you're not dipping my head underwater and saying it's it's for Jesus. And my mom hated me because of it.
0: <laughs> That's so interesting that you had like a choice in that. Because I feel like we're baptized really young, especially if you come from that family. Like you're like a baby. You like don't even have a say. Oh, yeah. And Technically, I was baptized. Catholic, but I consider myself a Buddhist. So, exactly. yes, no. <laughs> and
1: and so that's why I I just always kind of was this rebellious little grumpy kid. I I don't know. I just this <laughs> on my shoulder when I came into this world, and I ended up graduating from high school, going to USC. Like I said, doing all the things that I thought I needed to do, and I mean, still paying the loans. Like it was just one of those things where I'm like. I'm doing this because I can. And, and yeah, let's let's reach for the stars. And then it wasn't until, and tell me if I'm jumping way too far ahead. And no, come, it's fine. Until I got pregnant, I had con- come back from Dubai after the whole like bubble burst. And I came back to a recession. So I was like, okay, what do I do? And I ended up finding a job as like an executive assistant to the president of this debt settlement company. Long story short, long drama story short, I end up getting pregnant after this, crazy situation that happened at that company, which legally I'm not allowed to talk about. <laughs> and so I ended up getting pregnant and I was so I was in such a bad place then that I was really confused and I had to ask my, and this might be trigger warning, I'm sorry, or triggering for some, but I wasn't in the right state of mind. I was actually very depressed, very anxiety-ridden. I was on meds to kind of cope with the situation that was going on. And I really feel like that was the catalyst for change that really sparked this spiritual awakening in me because it was like rock bottom. And there was like really, I mean, I, I either was like not going to make it out of that ditch or I was going to be the phoenix rising out of the ashes and like be this new person, which thank God the latter happened. And so I ended up calling Justin and saying like, oh, my gosh. And he was at work. No warning. No special like, let's film this and let me let me hand him the pregnancy test and be like, oh my god, look, honey, and we're all like rejoicing and everybody on TikTok and Instagrams like <laughs> and commenting. It was literally like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. Are we keeping it? And then he was like, um, are you are you effing kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm at work. Yes, but we'll talk about this when I get home. I was in such a terrible place that that was normal to me. Like that was the the conversation that I felt needed to be had. So again, we have Emiko and she's, oh, I'm, it's, it was a redheaded spirit child (laughs) Yeah, because I can't even jump into the spiritual side yet because I have to talk about what probably was the most profound and difficult time of my, probably I'm hoping (laughs) my entire life was suffering from postpartum depression after having Emiko and not knowing that I was depressed. I remember I read Brooke Shields book. I remember there was such limited information about postpartum. You were just told that, you know, you hear about these women that are quote unquote crazy. They went crazy. They went insane and they drowned their babies. They did this, they did that. And I'm like, God, who would do that? And I was such a judgmental person as far as How people should raise their kids that were like my friends and oh, they should have been doing this. Like, who the hell was I to be saying anything? I didn't have a kid at the time. And I was like, well, karmas a you know what? And came back around and was like, boop, I'm going to get you in your booty (laughs) because this is going to be your big lesson is postpartum. And I'm very grateful for the experience because I'm very open about it for the audience and everybody listening to listeners. I actually went to the psych ward because I neglected to take care of myself. I thought that if I fed my baby formula, she was going to die. I would. I fed into all of the things that the mommy realm kind of perpetuates. And really, it's like, no two babies are the same. No two moms are the same. No two people are the same. And so I was listening again to what everybody else was saying, living everybody else's motherhood, uh, like I was living everybody else's like life. And I ended up just going, I mean, for lack of a better term, ape shit crazy.
0: What was that like identify moment? How did you realize that you needed to check yourself in? Or did someone else check you in? Like how did I guess because a lot of moms, they go through this, they can't identify it like you were saying because you don't realize you're in it. What was that point when you're like, I do need help?
1: It was too late. I was too far gone. I was like 10 months in when I went to the psych ward and and somebody took me because they came over and, and this is like a whole nother thing. It was just, I felt like the world had it out for us, the universe. I had lost my job, which I believe was postpartum depression related. Um, I got replaced immediately at the time. And it was kind of like my dream job too. And, and like I said, Postpartum doesn't care what echelon you're from, what stage of life you're in, whatever. And it just came in and it started with me obsessing, obsessing. Then it was a combination of not eating, not sleeping, because Emiko would just cry. She was so colicky. And then, I mean, just imagine a a baby who slept 15 minutes at any given moment, even through the night, quote unquote, because it wasn't through the night. She was eating about 12 ounces of breast milk. Her serving, and she was like months old, and she was nothing would come up, she would just keep it down. That's why she was so chunky. Remember, everybody, like, I remember hey, she's she like was adorable, and she's like the same size. Yeah, <laughs> and I started losing weight, drastic amounts of weight, and people were commenting on it. And I was like, Oh, it's just you know, because I'm breastfeeding all the time, and da-da-da-da-da. I'm stressed because I definitely. Lost a lot of weight in high school after like a breakup or in in college after a breakup. And I was like, oh, it's just stress, right? It's just stress. But then I started losing my cool all the time. I was yelling, we were fighting, Justin, I were fighting, I felt inadequate, which I mean, that comes with having a new baby, right? But it's the, it ha- it's how it perpetuated and just didn't let up and even got worse that now the baby is feeding off of my energy and it just kept going, going, going for 10 months. I lost my job, Justin got a 20% pay decrease. And mind you, this is still kind of recession, A you know, like in 2000, God, was it? When was I make up born? 11. twenty.
0: She was 11,
1: so it's like the economy was still kind of weird. Yeah. It was just financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically exhausting and drained. We kind of went through this really difficult phase. And then on top of that, I'm having postpartum depression and not knowing. So I thought it was circumstantial, right? Like, okay, of course, we had to move in with Justin's grandparents. And that's where it kind of was a blessing. I really do feel like everything happens for a reason because if we didn't move in, I mean, I'm telling you, I was begging people to come to Laguna Niguel and watch our baby. And everybody was in Orange County, like uh, North Orange County. We're way South Orange County. And I even had somebody tell me, who's no longer in the family, thank God. Oh, I'm busy with my own grandkids. And I was like, well, okay. So I already, it already took a lot for me to ask for help, which is one thing mothers have difficulty with. But on on top of that, the rejection and the blatant, like I'm busy. And yes, some people were busy. That's fine. Right. But when I'm like, I, I literally want to throw my baby against the wall. Like who's going to help me? Like, that's how bad it is. I tell people, if you want to throw your baby against the wall, if you want to put them in the microwave and that sounds normal to you, please call me because it's not normal, but we can get help. And that's why I'm so open about it. And again, I'm sorry, but this is like the realities of postpartum. And so it got to the point where I started hearing a radio and Justin's like, Oh honey, there's no radio. There's no radio play. There's no music. No one's having a party. And then it just kept going. And then it wasn't like I heard voices at all. I didn't get to that psychosis level. I believe it was borderline though. And one of his aunts came over to his grandma's house, his Oma's house. And she asked, well, how are you? And I would always be like, I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine. And then that day, I don't know what it was. She just said my face was so like, kind of, just blank stare into somewhere she didn't know where. And I just said, "I'm not okay." And I think she knew. I think everybody kind of knew. And then she's like, "I'm gonna call Lindsay. who's was my Justin's mom. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna call Lindsay." And I said, "Okay." And so all of that, like, it just was this snowball effect. And then once I went to the psych ward, it's like everybody was like, "Oh shit, she wasn't joking." And I'm like, I wish people took us more seriously. Like, I don't need you to come over and bring me a casserole. Go do the dishes or (laughs) do my laundry or pick up the kid. And so that's where it became really eye-opening for me that there's not a lot of awareness around, well, now there is, thank God, around postpartum. We're just labeled as crazy and something must have been going on or she must have been on. It's just the
0: baby blues, you know, the no sleep, the, yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. it has to get so extreme for people to like do anything or in my experience it was. And so now it's a completely different story. Right. And I now um, am a survivor. I can, I can talk about it openly without it being this shameful guilt-ridden experience where I failed as a mother and I'm like, I'm here. That is, that is winning. Like for me, for my daughter, my family, for other women out there, Because I've helped a a few women that were brave enough to reach out to me. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, honey, that's not the baby blues. We need to get you some help. And I think that's what makes the difference is when you have even one person to go to that hears you, sees you, feels you, then you know it's okay, And you can put your pride aside. You can put all of the like peanut gallery things that people are going to say aside. And it shouldn't have to get to the level it did with me.
0: At what point did you start to take everything inward and start to heal yourself kind of on the inside? Like what, I guess what happened in the psych ward? Did they like just medicate you? Like, you know, or where did this sort of like journey from healing from within begin?
1: So actually I was put on a 5150 against my will. I told them I'm not going to the psych ward if, if that's the case. I would like to go because really all I needed was rest. I need somebody to take my baby. I needed to rejuvenate and just kind of have some alone time to recoup. Put on a 5150. I was released early, thank God. I was not medicated at all. And then I unfortunately had CPS called on or like a, a hold on me. I couldn't be with my daughter without somebody there. And then in or- and financially, we weren't in a position to get therapy every week so I can get a clearance from a, a psychiatrist or doctor. And so Justin literally had to beg the social worker and say, this is our situation. Like, I don't know what you want us to do. So she lifted the hold. I mean, it was just a nightmare of an experience. Wow. Sometimes the system works and sometimes it really, really doesn't. And I think it's so unfair sometimes, but thankfully we figured a way out of it. And so while I was in the psych ward, I was with people that were genuinely mentally ill, like genuinely mentally ill. I had a lady in there that said Obama was trying to kill her. I had a girl in my same, and there's no doors. I'm sharing a room with six other people. A guy walked into the room, told me he, the angel in his ear told me, told him to kill me. Like, it's, it's real. And people see helicopters. and, And I started questioning like, Well, do they? Is that like in a different dimension? Like maybe they do. Right. I think schizophrenic people really do see what they see, but it might be in a different realm that we don't see. Like we don't see ghosts, but some people do. And like
0: you, (laughs) we'll get to that in a bit.
1: (laughs) And so in the psych ward, I kind of have had this epiphany, this realization that one relief because people heard me now, like they knew I was not joking around. And I knew I'd have the support. Everybody came in from my family, Justin's family. And that was wonderful. Very grateful for that. But when I was released early, even the nurses were like, you shouldn't be here. Bless those little Filipino nurses that I love so much that believed me. And they were—they kind of helped me get out of there because they're like, you shouldn't be here. And I told Justin during visiting hours, like, don't bring Emiko. There's energy here. And that's when I started feeling energy, which I had for a while. I just couldn't put like a name to it. Um, I was always that kid that was watching like unsolved mysteries and aliens and like all this stuff. I was always into the woo-woo side of stuff, esoteric side and, and unexplained side of things. And so in the psych ward is when I really started connecting to that part of myself that was curious to see what was there. Like, where does this come from? How did this like thing take over me? And of course, it's explained through science and like just like health and whatnot, chemicals. But I wanted to understand it more and it just perpetuated this fast forward a little bit to when Emiko was, gosh, she must have been. No, that's what started my spiritual journey. Let me back up. When I got out, I started um, researching spirituality and I came across Abraham Hicks. Hmm. And so I started listening to Abraham Hicks, like the gateway drug. (laughs) And I started just kind of being like, why not me? Why can't I have this enlightenment moment where like, God talks to me or, you know, and so I just started reading all the stories about um, and researching and it just got deeper and deeper. Then Justin's aunt from Holland, cause he's Dutch and Indonesian, his family from Holland came over and one of the ladies, she's kind of a cousin, a friend of the family came over and started like had her hands and almost like she was feeling the energy coming off of Emiko's head and Emiko's 10 months old. And I'm like, I just knew something within me knew exactly what she was doing and I was like oh my god she's gonna tell me she's an old soul and I have to protect her and da, 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 da. and it's exactly what she did so this lady reads like dolphin energy cards angel energy and talks to angels like th- that's her method and she taught me how to protect emiko imagine that you guys are trees with your roots your feet have roots in it that go deep into the earth that anchor you in and then your leaves are this bright light and you just are protected right so it's whatever visualization you need that was hers for me and I started doing that because I feel like when I was little everyone would be like "God, you you're such an old soul and then I feel like because I was this light in the darkness Everything just found me and it kind of shut it down. It dimmed it. It attacked it, whatever you want to call it. And so I kind of lost that spark and I wanted Emiko to continue keeping hers and shine bright and did it up while protecting. And so that really was the probably the moment I was like, we're diving in because I was Mm. like, I believe everything you're saying, let's dive in. And then it started with, oh, my gosh, the abilities I thought were what made me weird like seeing a ghost of my uncle who passed away having dreams where they would come true just kind of sensing people's energy when I met them and some people I would tell my mom I'm like my my heart does not feel good when I'm around them like they scare me like I could look at somebody and they would scare me and I don't know why I couldn't tell you why I just always had that like ability. And I think we all do if we tune into it, right? It's just a vibe. We call it a vibe in like mainstream
0: or intuition or, or intuition, yeah. gut
1: feeling, you know, women, yes. are, you know, womanly intuition. And so that's what really started it. And then I started exploring my own abilities, really wanting them to, to like just pop up again and flourish and bloom. And I can do this. And then Emiko started. <laughs> Saying things where I was, and she was little, like one, two, whatever age you are, you can just talk, like barely talk, because she could barely form a sentence. And she would say the the white cat in my crib. And I'm like, we're all allergic to cats. We don't have a cat. There's no cats in here. There's no cat that got in here. Then I was like, okay, whatever. You know, she has an imaginary friend, don't we all? Then it got to her like frightened. And saying, who's the scary man? Like, scary man behind you, scary man behind you. And I'm like, oh, hell no. (laughs) Like, oh, Oh, no. no. And so that's when I started getting heavily into protection and how to hone her abilities while still, like, protecting and protecting the house. So I would, like, energetically sweep the house before I went to bed at night in my mind. Like, a lot of the things I do are visualization. And I would protect her. I got into crystals. I got into tarot, like all that stuff. I I was into tarot for a long time, just like in the closet about it.
0: I was going to say, because for a while, I feel like you were in the closet. I mean, I'm going to share this, but like, I think, so I was pregnant with Chase. So this would be like 2014 or so. (laughs) and it for me it would only come out from you when you got drunk basically oh, yeah. My- like you would get intoxicated and I will never forget the one moment we were sitting there and you're like uh your grandma wants to talk to you and I was like what the f excuse I was so me you like, with that so you, you're like oh yeah so your grandma's here she's your guardian angel you'd go on this entire thing and the next morning when you wake up you like didn't remember saying anything And so I'm like curious how, you know, you were so, you wanted to repress that so much. How did you end up opening up and making that like, not a drunk moment, but like a reality? And what was that like? (laughs) I think
1: enough times where now I know that that was really rude of me to be so intrusive with like no it wasn't rude it no, was like, so cool random strangers though too like the waitress like and what happens is my body starts sweating and shaking and then like I like I said I don't see like apparitions or vi- I see visions in my head like if you're recalling a memory so <laughs> I would do that to waitresses I do the strangers I'm like oh my gosh Leah and so that's like really rude it's like peeking into someone's bathroom window and be like hey what are you doing and so yeah I learned not to do that anymore and ask for permission it starts like this bodily sweating shaking and then the visions come and it does not stop sh- like my body doesn't stop shaking until the message is out and that's how I know it's done and I'm like okay there's something there like there's something there I'm giving people which is like my life My life's work is to be able to channel messages from the other side and to get so good at it that when somebody passes, I'm with crystal clarity and confidence that this is them. This is what they want to say to you, yada, yada, yada. And so that's like my dream. And it's like a muscle. Psychicism is a muscle. And so you have to like anything. You just have to work at it. So I started, uh, you guys were all my guinea pigs, thank you, but I started just doing it more often, more often, researching it, taking classes, courses, anything I could get my hands on, I would just absorb that information, I would like devour it, and it became this calling You know, I got that job at Super Toy Box. I was originally the project manager. Then I ended up like moving my way up and then I became COO and then head of projects or director of projects, whatever lofty title
0: you want to... I know, I felt like you were living these dual lives. You were like a C-level exec, totally like corporate whatnot, Leah, but then on the flip side, you were this like magical being. Yes. And so how did you live in a world where you were like two different people showing up every day and then showing up as a mom?
1: So it's so weird because like I made my business partner drink the Kool-Aid again, me being intrusive and controlling. And really he and I had this really strong connection and understanding, which a lot of people think is weird. And I'm like, we need to normalize male and female platonic relationships um and dynamics and it's what allowed us to work so seamlessly together. So like like we could finish each other's sentences. So we're in meetings and we can just like it was the synergy was amazing and the collaboration was amazing. But it just the work was killing us. So the way I balanced it is I just went in there full throttle and was like, hey, I see dead people. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, he was so open to it. So he was totally fine with it. He he even used the like, I trust your intuition on this. Let me know like how you feel about this. So he embraced it, which was wonderful.
0: That's incredible bringing intuition into the workplace because I feel like it's all very cut and dry and data. And yes, like there is data behind intuition and things like that. But to be able to weave those, that's awesome. And
1: it was interesting because it came in handy when I had to hire people when we were like I have a built-in lie detector test. I think all women do, but like I have a built-in lie detector that I'm just like, I call your bullshit. Like don't tell me that. And and then like you're blowing smoke up our ass. And so it it helps in that regard because I think When we are taught that being women, we're too emotional and emotions don't belong in the workplace. I'm like, that is a crock of, you know what? Because that has helped us so much in my personal experience. And when I talk to powerful women that are C-suite and just killing it and boss babes, like it is the one thing that they use that allows them to trust themselves. It allows them to be determined and courageous and tenacious, right? And so that is really key it's a key component to trust your intuition and to use your emotions to your your benefit of course when they're out of control and whatnot that's a whole different story but when we lead with our intuition which is part of emotions too i think that it's magical i think it's so powerful i think it lends for so much clarity and and assuredness that Why wouldn't you, right? Why wouldn't you use your emotions for that? That's the best navigation tool. And there's like science behind energy (laughs) too.
0: I was going to ask, do you have any tips on like tangible tips on how to actually tap into that intuition? Yeah. Like, are there any things that you can do or like people can do in their everyday life to tap into that sort of feeling?
1: Yeah. So I always, and people always ask me, oh, I do one-on-one coaching too. And a, a lot of the questions that come through are about manifestation and mm-hmm. 90% of manifestation is intuition, right? And being able to visualize trusted and just, I mean, almost like fake it to make it kind of thing. So the one advice that, or piece of advice that I give people who are trying to distinguish between intuition and ego is usually ego is the mind. It seeps in right after you feel really good about something, right? It's like right on the other side of fears, everything you want and need and, and are like striving for. It's just right on the other side. But first, the little devil on your shoulder has to come in and be like, we're here to keep you safe. And, and you know, we, we shouldn't do that. That's scary, right? That's where ego comes in and kind of keeps you safe, like the super ego that, wants to come in and parent you based on parental and societal standards, right? To keep you safe, in line, don't do that, here you go. But its flaw is it doesn't know that you're not a child anymore, right? So you have to stop feeding it by entertaining it. And so intuition is really this full body, yes. It's a centered, confident, It does. it's not without question or doubt, but there's something greater there that is pulling you towards it. Like when I started doing tarot and and felt this call to start doing professional readings, there was this unshakable alignment and urge and calling to follow this path or at the very least, just pick up a deck and start shuffling it. And once I did, it was like everything fell into place. And so the intuition was followed by inspired action, intentional action, and with a vision in mind. And then when that hit, it was like, oh my gosh, that's the, that's the puzzle piece falling into place right there. It feels good. I don't mind talking about it. Like, even though I was like in the closet, the tarot, witchery, whatever, woo-woo closet, I still was like being drunk medium, Leah. Like it wasn't like <laughs> I wasn't, right? And so I would talk about it all the time. And um, I talked to Justin about it all the time. And it was just like this thing. And so intuitively, I feel like I connect with it by breath work. I connect with it with intention and we label it as like thought stopping, reframing. There's all these things we're all speaking, like saying the same thing, but speaking a different language, like intuition is gut, uh, manifestation is prayers, you know, and like in whatnot. So it's really just, I think the most powerful thing and I can give is breath work really If you want to control your body, your mind, and your soul, get in tune with your breath, get a Reiki session done. It's almost like a massage, but energetic massage and understanding yourself as well. So you can trust yourself more and become more aware of your experience, which is AKA your life and your journey so that you stop living from a place of survival. Like I was talking about and start and stop reacting to everything and start responding to stuff, choosing mm. to respond, right? It's such a more aligned feeling. It's a softer feeling. It's a more truthful, integ- like it feels like there's integrity behind that versus road rage feeling. You cut me off and how dare you? So I'm gonna Very be- external. Very external. So instead of living from the outside in, like the stimulus from the outside in, you're kind of navigating life from this lens of, inside like looking from the inside out and when you can control and have some sense of control over your inner realm your inner world and workings and you're able to stop that like my heart's racing i'm sweating i'm gonna blow up on this person or this person's wronged me so i gotta wrong them it's like we're all five-year-olds punching each other on the play yard you hit me first and it's like we're, what is going on here so getting back in tune with your breath and finding that center And it'll look different on any given day. It's a spectrum. But as long as you know what that center feels like, go by what you feel less about what you think, because the mind is not always the most trustworthy thing. So your heart is always going to speak
0: truths to you. How has that helped you in your parenting? (laughs) Oh, Lord, how
1: you how dare you call me out?
0: How <laughs> dare you call me a hypocrite? I'm just, I'm just asking. There's a lot of moms out there, you know, they're like, great, you know, this intuition thing, this what, you know, but like, we're always living in this like busy, go, 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 like, yes. you know, so how have your practices helped you in your parenting?
1: So I think the biggest thing is it's allowed me to explore my trauma and my wounds a little bit more. So again, I understand myself better and and understand why I think the way I do, where the lack is and where the 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 blockages are. Um, like I said, I identified the mother wound that we were talking about earlier, and to know that I'm a little bit more sensitive, I've I've inherited a sensitivity to not being a quote unquote natural mother good mom you know all this stuff like praising my kids oh my gosh look at him on the player like I'm not the one you'll find at a park I'm like I'm just not that one but what I am teaching my kids is to trust themselves doing my best to I, I definitely mess up on a daily basis um, and fall short but it's really to understand them and to see that this is a relationship that they may or may not have asked for right and in coming into this world and that they are their own people and to not shape them in a way that I think is best for them. My responsibility is to keep them safe, to nurture them, to really hone their own natural abilities, quirks, whatever it may be. And like I said, Emiko and Jordi are so different, so I have to mother them so differently. It's just this awareness, I think, when you have this intuitive connection, not only to yourself, But to your kids, it allows you to have much more compassion. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. That awareness creates compassion for yourself so that I'm not so hard on myself when I do mess up, that I can praise myself when I do good and honor both sides of the coin. And that translates into motherhood in the sense that I can be gentler. I'm by no means a gentle parent. I don't do gentle parenting. I try to,
0: but it's just, I don't know. But I love that balance from within. That you have both of those, so
1: yes, at least I have that awareness. Yeah. That this is possible. I can I can forgive myself and bounce back to this, or I can praise myself for doing something different than what I was taught. You know, like I can yeah. speak to my kids differently. Um, I mean, we all lose our our, you know what? But it's coming back to it and not living in this place of shame, survival. Oh my gosh, guilt, and really having this love for yourself, that translates to love for your children. It's that thing. You can't love someone until you love yourself kind of thing. And so that's been a a huge like wake up call and mothering too.
0: So what also made you leave this corporate world and then dive into building out woo woo realm and building out tarot? Because it's always been like a passion, like a, a side thing. But then what made you finally take that leap?
1: So super toy box was the other company we had dream clients. I mean, dream clients, but it was absolutely killing us mentally, emotionally, spiritually. My business partner and I, we had went through a really difficult period. Finally, we have this saying that's no more, no, like never again, hashtag never again. And we made the conscious decision to pare things down and pare things down, pare things down. So it allowed and freed up time for us to do passion projects. He went into the more creative animation type of technical aspect, design aspect. And I was like, well, I'm going to do tarot. He was like, you should, you're really good at it. So I was like, okay. So I set up a, a Instagram. I, Woo Realm wasn't even supposed to be the name. It was just a placeholder. And then it just stuck. It's like a good icebreaker, I guess. And I ended up starting Woo, Woo Realm on January 14th, 2020. I think it was like right before the pandemic. I mean, it was like, it was right before, I think it was 2020. Yeah. I'm all, what year are we in? What day? <laughs> and then it just took off. I did this, I just started creating content in a, in Photoshop and I started posting stuff and it really was meant for me to just share my healing journey, my tarot, my healing journey through the art of tarot.
0: And can you explain just a little bit about what tarot is for those people who might just think it's some like psychic witch in like yes, a little room, know. you know, reading your cards like in Tiana or something? Yes. So, and that's like what the <laughs> the stigma of yes, it.
1: Yes, the stigma and the stereotypical like, oh my gosh, tarot. And I grew up thinking if I touch a deck, it's going to the devil's going to come out. You know, really, the power is not in the cards they are magical and whatever, but the real power is in the reader and how you interpret the cards, the story you tell. It's like going to a friend and asking for their advice and their interpretation of your situation is going to be different, varying friend to friend, right? So how I explain tarot is they're just a vehicle. They're a vehicle for messages to come through. I do believe that they have a magical component to them, but so does the Bible, so does prayer, so whatever, whatever you want to call it. The best way I can explain is like a weather forecast. So we can predict the weather to a certain degree based on the knowledge that you know, right? That meteorologists know at the time, just as the winds can change, your free will can change and you can choose differently. So a reading can the messages from a reading can change based on how you decide to live your life and take the messages just like the weather. So it's not so much, Oh, I'm telling the future more. So out of all the possibilities and options and outcomes, this one's the most likely and in your highest good, or these are the ones that are in your highest good. So I never really tell people anything that they don't already know, but because of the nature of your mind just racing and you having so many options, so many thoughts, so many fill-in-the-blanks, tarot really calls out what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Because I feel like what you want to hear is in your head and what your friends are going to tell you. And tarot's that sassy auntie that's like, oh, no, no, honey, you're going to have to sit down for this one. And so, like, tarot is... That, like the sassy, like give it to me straight. And then Oracle cards are like, come on, baby, do you need a hug? Come here, mama, will make it all better. You know, and so that's why I like doing tarot because I'm a little bit more of the former. But
0: you sassy never would have imagined, that would be,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, that's how I use tarot. And it can be, it can transcend love life, personal life, career, professional, talking to the dead. I mean, you name it. And so. It's just a matter of pulling out information in your head or in the ether and bringing it into form in the in the sense of like a storyboard, which is what the cards are. They're a storyboard. And I just tell the story of it. I'm the interpreter.
0: I love that. Do you do it on Justin at all? Or do you do it to help your life at all? Or do you just yes. read other people's?
1: So I read for myself. I sometimes read for Justin if he has like a, like he never asks, of course. I'm like, do you want me to pull some cards, honey? And it, 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 gave, it gives him the insight and like confirmation he needs clarity. But I really love doing in-person one-on-one readings. That's my jam. I love it. Um, I do Zoom meetings um, or readings rather that are remote because obviously my clients aren't down the street all the time. So those are fun too, because I love the back and forth. I love the interaction. I love that you can ask questions and I can answer them. I could pull a card. You can give me more information and we can go deeper into that message or explore that situation a little bit deeper. So I love that one-on-one that's live, but I, I find it actually harder to read for myself because I'm biased. I want to hear what I want to hear. So tarot has really taught me to be more open and accepting of what I need versus what I'm trying to control because hello, control freak over here, trying to control every little thing. And it relinquishes the need for that, or it encourages me to. And it gives me the ability to have this external awareness of a situation. It's like journaling, right? It's like making a vision board. It's like, just fleshing out all of the ideas in your head, thoughts in your head onto paper and getting it out. So in that sense, it's very therapeutic. Do you
0: do any other kind of practices kind of for yourself, maybe daily, any sort of not self-care, but any sort of that like journaling or spiritual practices daily?
1: I do. I have a little altar for some of the deities, and this might be a little bit too woo for some people, um, but it's like an altar for ancestors in the more witchy community. Sometimes you work with deities, and I, I, I mean, it's nothing like I'm doing a seance or anything, Where there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I just have a picture of the goddess. I don't worship her, I, I, it's just an archetype within me that it's, I'm being called to embody. It's like embody that boss, bitch, and I'm like, yes. There's just a goddess name to it, (laughs) and so I, I like, I have a little uh, coffee cup that I leave her coffee. When I have my glass of wine, I'll leave her a tiny little glass of wine. I'll put some crystals. I'll pull some cards, and then it's kind of the she's giving me a message for the day, an affirmation for the day. (laughs) And so when you reframe it, and it's not so like oh devil worshiping, you know, it's like okay, it's actually there's there's a method to the madness. (laughs) There's actually a lot of truth to it. There, it's not as scary as people think. You'd be surprised how many people are, are open to it. I I was blown away how many people are open to it. It's just the stigma that makes people think that's of the devil. It's against my religion. It's against everything I believe in. We're going to open a portal. And I'm like, oh, honey, you've been opening portals before. You even were talking <laughs> zero with that nasty attitude. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just not as scary as everybody makes it out yeah. to be. And it really is. I mean, some people go to therapy, some people work out, some people go to church, some people, I don't know, party. I go to tarot. No harm, no foul, you know, and I'm not like summoning the like demons or anything. (laughs) I'm not trying to, at least. But it's it's one of those things that's have helped that has helped me understand myself on such a profound level, deep level, and I'm so grateful for it. And it allows me to do that for other people in a gentle way, in a truthful way, and also give them messages that, they, that help them heal. I think that's most important. We're all just trying to walk each other home, right? And heal and, and find that solid ground. And that's what it did for me.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you, Leah. To wrap things up, final question. What do you think is your superpower that you gained once you became a mom that makes you better at life, business, whatever that might be?
1: Oh my gosh honestly it was realizing that i'm not in control of everything and don't need to be and to let life happen and to embrace what the universe blesses you with even if it is postpartum even if it is struggle there's always opportunity and healing and i guess opportunity for growth really which is healing in itself in all the tough lessons that we we encounter And it can't be peachy keen all the time, but I think it's in the tougher moments of life, which motherhood has a lot of them, that you have to kind of relinquish control and embrace that things are the way that they are. And we could actually learn a lot from our kids. We're not here to control them. We're here to love them and learn from them.
0: That's beautiful. And where can we find you?
1: So, you can find me on Instagram at realm.com or on my website woohoorealm.com. Oh, sorry, at woo nope. on Instagram
0: and then woohoorealm.com. There we go. And make sure it's just woo-woo realm and not yes. underscore any sort of other weird oh, things no. because oh. Leah has had a ton of people trying to imposter her in, yes. in like, yeah, pretend that they're her. Yes. So, at realm. I love it. Well, thank you, (laughs) Leah, so much for joining today and sharing all of that enlightening information.
1: Thank you for having me. This was therapeutic. I love this.
0: (laughs) I'm glad. Well, I hope some other people out there were able to heal a little bit within too. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time. (laughs) Oh, my God.